You're listening to Revive the World Ministries podcast. Thanks for listening. We hope this message encourages you to be all God created you to be so that you can impact the world around you with the love and power of God. For more information about us, you can visit our website at revivetheworld.us or visit us in person each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. and Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. We hope to connect with you soon. Good to see, good to see the camera and you see me, I guess, and that's it. Uh, yeah, I'm like Nikki, I'm, I'm ready for this virtual only to be over for our gatherings and it won't be much longer. So, but I am grateful that we still get to do this, that the word of God is still going out to even more people than what it was before. I mean, more people are getting reached by the gospel, the way the church is doing it right now, than what it was before. At least it, it appears that way. There are people that are tuning in um, that don't go to church. And um, because there's, uh, when there was just some of the church that was doing this, and now the, the whole church, um, everybody that has a means to do it is doing it. So more people are getting reached with the gospel, which is, is what it's all about, right? <clears throat> so... I've got a, uh, I'm going to share a testimony with you, and uh, I'm going to say something that I don't think that I have ever said in all the time that I've been speaking over the last 10, 11 years, and that is that if, uh, I just, I beg you to listen to the whole message, because it's possible that today's topic um, will be something that could uh, could be a sore subject, could be could be heightened sensitivity to it, and it's because it's about um, the subject matter is is money, but the the topic is not money. It's not about that, and so I want you to be able to hear. I'm I'm, I'm asking, I'm begging you to listen to the whole thing because. It's the first time we've ever, we've ever done this live. I teach on, um, on tithing, offering uh, once a year. I told people that if I don't teach on it once a year, I feel like I'm doing you a disservice. It's a principle that my first spiritual parents, um, who now my, my in-laws, um, taught me 2008. And um, the situation I was in then uh, was much different than the situation I am in now, but immediately I began to do it um, because it was a biblical principle, and, and I saw that. And I was about, about a year and a half old in Jesus, and it was something that didn't make sense to my mind, but it did to my heart. Um, so I hope to be able to articulate this in such a way today that it, that it helps you to understand what this is really about, that it's not really about money, that, that this is, I, I first want to apologize to you if, because I know when this topic comes up that there are some of you that have been manipulated, um, there are some of you that have been taken advantage of, there are some of you um, that have had guilt trips put on you in order for you to give uh, to a ministry or to a church. 
This is, is not that. I'm not interested in that, nor have I ever been interested in that. And if you'll, you'll do what I am I'm begging you to do, and you'll listen to the whole thing, you'll get that before this is over. Um, so I, I'm grateful for this particular uh, biblical principle because it changed my life in a, in a lot of ways. And so I, w- I want to start off with uh, a testimony. And so, but I do want to say this first, is that when a particular biblical principle is brought up and it, it rubs me the wrong way or irritates me, it could be because the issue is not yet settled in my heart. Um, it, there's different reasons. It could be because of the same th- some of the things that I already mentioned, where you've been, uh, you feel like you've been manipulated or you've been shamed into giving or guilted into giving. Um, so just talking about this one particular topic. Um, but I realize that there are a lot of things that have been misused out of this, this word this sacred, this holy, this infallible word that came through fallible people to all of us at one point may have been or has been misused in some way that may cause you to see the subject matter the way that you do right now. Same with healing, same with the prophetic, same with uh, different subjects in, in the Bible. That doesn't mean that God's word was meant to be taught to you like that or used, used in that way, it just means that somebody operated in a way that they weren't supposed to. And anybody is, is subject to that. Any particular person can, be, um, can operate out of fear or respond to fear when it comes to, to finances and giving. And there are, are pastors and leaders that have done that. And I realize the temptation of it, though thankfully um, I, I've not operated in such a way that I've responded to, to fear or reacted to fear when it comes to finances, though there has been lots of temptation to. And um, maybe I'll get into some of that. And so I apologize uh, on behalf of 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 the church, the body of Christ, if this is a subject that rubs you the wrong way. And, and if it's because it hasn't been settled yet, it's, it's no different to me than before some of it. Some of you may have been saved since you were little, and so this may not make any sense to you. But I wasn't, and so in my, up to my, you know, I was in my 20s before I got saved. But before that, when the topic of salvation was brought up or somebody started to talk about Jesus, it irritated me. There was an irritation um, because the issue was not yet settled. But now, when the topic is brought up, it actually, it actually gives, it, it brings joy to me. It gets me excited. I'm happy to hear uh, when Jesus is actually talked about. And so, let, let's, uh, this testimony that I have is, this happened right before the pandemic, right before the mall shut down. There was this couple, and some of you have heard this testimony about this young couple who got radically healed. One of them had been in a car accident, and her spine was crooked. One of her legs was shorter than her other because she had an alignment issue. She had had chronic back pain for, I think, six years or so. And um, her boyfriend had, had some lower back issues, and his alignment was messed up too. 
And Jesus healed both of them. Her spine straightened in the store. She could tell the difference. She knew. She had her boyfriend feel it. You could, you could tell. She'd been able to tell before that it was crooked and after that it wasn't. And so that is one of the most profound miracles that I had personally witnessed firsthand. And let alone it wasn't inside of one of these buildings where we're expecting miracles, but it was outside the building where I'm grateful that we're seeing more miracles than we are in the building now. Both of them, they had expressed to us their current situation, and it was me and Donnie Rutledge were at the mall that day talking to him in a store, watching God do all this stuff, and, and you know, Donnie and I were praying for him, and Jesus is, is doing these miraculous things, and I'm just blown away by the miracle, right? And then after that, we're able to do the practical. And we, we, you know, we're able to give them, we're able to give them money because the situation called for that. I'm not going to go into detail, but the situation called for us doing the practical because we had prayed for them to be financially taken care of. And when I do that, I realize that if I have money in my pocket, then I should be my first response should be to give also. That's, that's the practical. It's no different than it says in James that if somebody comes to you and they need food and clothing and you say be blessed and be, you know, be warm and be fed, but you don't do them anything, you don't do anything for them, or they have reason essentially to qu- question your faith. Well, if I walk by somebody who needs healing, and we won't go there. But in this situation... Because I've done, I've done both. I've done all of this. It's, it's not like I, I don't have this perfect. I walk by lots of people who need physical miracles. And I, I'm not saying that every person that you see on the street that needs something that you're supposed to help them. But this situation called for that. And it was firsthand. It was right in our face. And it was like God was, you know, it was just a, a response. And it was, I'm grateful. It was a response from love. And when we gave them money, they said, now we know that you're real Christians. We had just saw her spine straighten. We had just seen her leg shift out. Her chronic pain after a car accident for six, I think it was six plus years, her chronic pain leaves in a moment's time. And none of that caused them to respond the way that when we handed them cash because they were in need and it was a response from the heart of the Father, they did not respond like like they did to to the money. I think that that says something, right? It's money is a weapon in the hand of a Christian of the goodness of God. It is. I've seen uh, I've seen waitresses or, or yeah, I've seen it on a couple occasions waitresses that would we watched in TGI Fridays one night when, when you know when we get an opportunity. We'll tip the bill, and if there's eight or ten of us out, you know, when you tip the bill, that's a for a TGI Fridays restaurant. That's a significant restaurant. Oh, I'm sorry, a significant tip uh, for a server who makes two dollars and fourteen uh, cents an hour, and um, their average bill is forty bucks. You know, it's you're, you, you know, you do the math. If somebody actually tips eighteen percent or twenty percent, like everybody should, um, <laughs> but <laughs> you should tip at least twenty percent. Uh, in, in my opinion, but um, that's because that comes from the heart of a person who used to be a server, and so I understand. Um, but we have seen that kind of tip, which in the grand scheme of things, 100 or 200 bucks, 
to me now isn't a whole lot of money. To you, it may be. Once upon a time, it was a lot of money to me. But we have watched them heave, cry over the register um, because of the generosity that we are able to display in response to the Father's heart for them. And, and I've given them prophetic words or seen them healed in, in those same type of restaurants and never seen them respond like that to, to a healing or to a prophetic word, even if it was accurate. I, it's, it's, I feel like there's a transference of grace when we give in the heart of, in, in the heart of love the way that the Father gave the Son. He gave in, in the heart of love. He gave out of, for God so loved the world, He gave, right? And so we give not even out of need or necessity, even though that can, can be a great reason to give, and, and I believe a practical reason to give. But when it comes from, it says that God loves a cheerful giver. Do you believe that that scripture says that just because God wants us to be happy when we give money away? Or do you believe that it's the representation of the heart of the Father that comes through the giver that he's looking for? I'll tell you that this subject of money has been one of the sorest subjects and misrepresented subjects um, outside of some of the gifts of the Spirit in the body of Christ presently. And I believe that God is clearing up um, things true. He's clearing up truth that's been misrepresented in a lot of places. And there's going to be a clear dividing line of those who teach, who teach truth um, out of love and who teach truth for selfish gain. <clears throat> and, and so this is one of those topics that you can think, well, you know, a lot of things come to your mind. Uh, the prosperity gospel comes to, to mind. And we do have a prosperity gospel. This is absolutely a prosperity gospel because once I have Jesus, I am the richest person in the world. Uh, plain and simple. Prosperity is not about the stuff that I accumulate. Prosperity is actually a mindset that says that I have the mind of Christ. And when I, when I have the mind of Christ, this is how I know when I'm operating out of the mind of Christ that has been given to every believer is that I immediately know that I have everything I need in Jesus. It doesn't matter if there's anything else in my life that I have or don't have material-wise is that I have everything. He meets every one of my needs, spirit, soul, and body, that he is my absolute everything. When I go seeking to have more stuff or I, I need more of something outside of him for the sake of having the stuff or it bringing me comfort or it bringing me peace, then I run the risk of, of beginning to idolize stuff. I run the risk of falling into idolatry. And there's different reasons why we, um, why we try to accumulate stuff. Sometimes it's because we're comparing with other people and trying to keep up with the Joneses or, or whoever your neighbors are. Um, and there are sometimes because it's a fear of lack. And, and that comes from a poverty mentality. The poverty mentality um, it comes from the orphan mentality that does not realize who I am as a son or who you are as a son or daughter. And therefore, I need to get more stuff because I feel safe when I have more stuff. And I'm afraid that if I don't get more stuff, I'll run out. And lots of people that went through the Great Depression operated out of that mindset because they experienced what it was not to have anything. But I got good news is that in a moment's time, Jesus can set us free from that mindset. It's just one lie that's broken 
by the power of God, just like any other lie has broken, but there's an action that's involved with getting free from the fear of lack and the poverty mindset. And, and I, I've said this before, is that this type does not come out by prayer and fasting. This type comes out by giving. And so there's action involved, is that, well, I can pray and fast, that, that poverty mentality and fear of lack will leave me, but if I do not put action to it, what I say I believe or what I declare I believe or the prayers that I've prayed will never be challenged until there's an opportunity to give. And when there's an opportunity to give and I get my wallet out or my card out or I punch in that phone number to text to give or I see that person that needs or God says, you know, I want you to give this amount, that will never be challenged. It's no different than any other truth. When the person that stands in front of me needs healing, everything that I've stated, everything that I've taught, everything that I've believed and talked about, whether it's been in a crowd or one-on-one -on -one or me and Jesus talked about it or I've read it in His Word, everything that I believe is being challenged in that moment. Do I actually believe that He heals? Do I actually believe if He heals that He'll heal through me? So there's some things that come in with the mindset. And so it's necessary that, and so the action for me to, to, to really get rooted and grounded in that truth that God's a healer is for me to step out and do it, whether I see it or not. It's me stepping out and praying the prayer. Even me thinking about stepping out and praying the prayer has got me past the point to where I no longer believe that God can do what he says he can do. Um, and so it's just, it's little steps and, and this is one of those things that absolutely changed, changed my life. I believe that when I, and I'll go through, the, I'll go through you know, the questions that people have, at least I'll cover some of them, at least I think I will. I'll give you a lot of scripture, um, and I won't read it all for time's sake, but I'll, I hope that you're a note taker. Um, if you're not a note taker, I would ask why you don't take notes. Because if you don't take notes, I don't understand how, how you learn in, in a in a setting like this when somebody's teaching for 30, 40, 50, 60 minutes. I, I, don't, I don't get it um, because, and it's proven through education that the, when you take notes, you actually learn 50% more than when you don't. 75% more when you take notes and get actively involved. And sometimes that's why preachers have you repeat something back to them. You may think it's for other reasons, but when we actually engage ourselves, it helps us to learn more. Because Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights are the, the we like to use sports analogies because I love sports. Um, even though I'm not getting to watch any right now, but hopefully that will change soon. Baseball season should start in June, and I'll be uh, excited about that. But this is the locker room. This is the war room, whatever you want to call it. This is the training and equipping place where we learn the biblical principles to live on a daily basis in our life outside of these buildings. Yes, we connect here. Yes, we celebrate Jesus together here. Yes, we corporate worship is important. Um, and know it says don't forsake the, the assembling together of the saints. And so it's important that we stay connected. But each one of us has an individual life and an individual call and an individual example to set to the people that are in our sphere of influence. And what we learn in here goes out there so that we can live that and show them what he looks like. And hopefully our lives will invite them into a lifelong connection with them so that they can do the same. Because this isn't an us and them thing. right? It's not like, well, I'm a Christian and they're not. Or, or they act a certain way and I don't. You know, 
I'm happy when the church acts like the church is supposed to. To be honest, I'm happy when I love like I'm supposed to. Um, and so I'm, 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 I want to model what it looks like that Sunday morning gatherings, you know, Jesus had a wonderful church growth um, principle that he used uh, one time when he told them to uh, eat his flesh and drink his blood. And um, even though he didn't mean that as cannibalism, he meant that metaphorically. And, and so sometimes we think that I need to say everything to gather more people um, so that I can get more people in the building. Maybe I, I don't want to offend somebody or I don't want to say the wrong thing or bring up the wrong topic like tithing or offering because then, then maybe they won't come to our church. Our main concern, my main concern shouldn't be the fact that somebody comes or doesn't come. It should be that people are actually escaping hell and then getting trained and equipped to walk in everything that they were created to, whether it's in this building or it's one-on-one -on -one or it's at Starbucks and coffee shops. Jesus, I can't wait till they all open back up. But I mean, I've got good coffee at home, but I'm, <laughs> I miss some of those places. And so I, our, <laughs> I know, you, I know that, wasn't, that wasn't part of the message, but I do believe that Jesus models what it looks like to pour into people who are willing to allow their mind to be offended so that God can get to their heart. Because a lot of times God will offend the mind to get to the heart. <clears throat> or if we don't allow him to offend our mind to get to our heart, we'll find somewhere that talks about what we want him to talk about until they say something that we don't like and then we move on to the next church because there's you know, hundreds and hundreds around the Indianapolis area. And so we can, we can just continue to do that, or we can settle into the place that says, I want to be discipled, and I'm willing to be submissive. What, and not somebody to abuse that, but somebody to actually, actually teach me truth because they love me and they care about me. And this is one of those things that I'm teaching because I love you and I care about you. And so tithing came about before the law. It was in Genesis 14, 18 through 20, Melchizedek comes out uh, to Abram and uh, he blesses him. And then uh, Abram just inherently gives him 10% of all his spoils, of everything that he had just gotten. Um, there was no law about tithing in Genesis 14. Um, the law had not taken place yet. The Levitical priesthood was not put into place yet. And so tithing was actually brought about before the law which shows us that because that, the argument is, is that because it was brought up in law that we no longer need to do it. And so Genesis 14 shows us that it seems like to me that it's in, it's in our DNA to actually give. Because we were created in the image of the Father, I would say that it would be an important aspect to be able to demonstrate what it looks like to be a giver on a daily basis. And so Abram demonstrates that before there was any law. And Abram was one of those that was called, the, one of the two people that were called the friend of God. He is the father of faith still, even though he did not have Jesus. He, he believed God in what God spoke to him. And so he's our example in a lot of things. And I believe that he's our example in giving also. And so I'm not supposed to go any further into that. I'm supposed to read Luke 16 to you. 
I was going to try to force that for a second, but I've learned better when I get that feeling to switch to switch gears. And so you got to start the tithing. And now I'll give you something else that's been beneficial to me and I live by. And so Luke 16, um, verses 10 through 13. Everybody there? We'll just pretend like you said yes. Is that all right? Okay, verse 10. This is out of the New King James. He, I love it when I, I, mean, I could just say whatever and you agree, because, or I'll just pretend like you agree. Uh, Luke 16, verse 10, New King James Version says, He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is ju- unjust also in much. Verse 11, Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? Let me back up to verse 11 real quick. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in what in the unrighteous mammon, if you look it up and you look in other translations, mammon is money. If you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, he is saying that there's no righteousness within money. Money is not evil. It says that in Timothy, that it's not money that's evil. It's actually the love of money. It's just like anything, we can put it before God and we can begin to idolize it. And so uh, Dr. Luke here is, is telling us that if we've not been faithful in unrighteous mammon, if we've not been faithful in money, who will commit to our trust? If you look it up, it's true spiritual riches. I love, I believe the NLT says that. And so we're looking for spiritual riches. And so this principle... Money is an avenue by which we begin to look like God in ways that we wouldn't if there was not action involved. God wants to. The Father, He trusts us. He he trusts you and I fully. He, He trusts you. He believes in you. He believes in me. I'm grateful for that truth. But the principle of stewardship is a biblical principle and spiritual law for our own good. And this is what it is, if you're not familiar with the principle of stewardship, is that he will give me so much of something, and then when I use it properly for his kingdom, for the good of his kingdom, to spread his gospel, use it for what I'm supposed to, then he will give me more. It's the parable of the talents. It's you know, the, the, the three guys, want, you know, they had different levels of faithfulness. And the one who was the most, most faithful got rewarded with the most authority over the most cities. Two different parables about talents. One's about minas, one's about talents. Essentially the same thing, different perspective. But the one I believe in Luke, is, he says that, that he is, or he rewards the ones who took care of what they were left with, with greater authority over more cities. 
And so the principle of stewardship shows us what we are actually, it prepares us to be able to handle, let me say it like this, it prepares us to be able to handle and be responsible over more. And this, I want you to see right here, that this, though it points to money, is not about money. It's if I can't be trusted with this weapon of the goodness of God, if I can't be trusted with this paper, if I, allow, if I bow down, if I allow unrighteous mammon money to actually dictate my life, then how could he ever entrust to me true spiritual riches? True spiritual riches are souls. People getting saved, coming out of lifestyles that they were never created to live. Getting free from demonic oppression, seeing miracles happen, seeing, getting to train and equip people to walk in their identity. That's the spiritual riches of heaven. Those are the things that will last eternally. It's eternal. Those are eternal riches. Those are what's important because everything that we can buy physically, that we can see, touch, taste, feel, the things that are in the natural realm that we can purchase with our money, even for our, our, ourselves, will one day be gone. Even the gifts that we use, the anointing that we have, I talked about this on Wednesday night, all of the things that I get to use for ministry, I will check every one of them at the door of heaven. I cannot go into heaven with any of the gifts won't be necessary. The prophetic won't be necessary. Miracles won't be necessary. None of that is going to be important there because it is not needed there. When I catch a revelation of what that I am actually eternal, I am an eternal being. The moment you and I said yes to Jesus, our eternal destiny changed to heaven, and we began to live out of the reality, hopefully, or we should have begun to live out of the reality of, of what our, our new nature, our new DNA is, and, and it should have created on the inside of every one of us a longing to store up spiritual riches, a longing to actually be faithful in the things in the natural so that I can begin to steward more of what God wants to entrust me with. The wonderful thing about good parents, about our good father or good parents, is that they won't give you something that won't actually be a blessing but will hurt you. Right? There are points in my Christianity that God gave me, I believe, more than I could handle, and I misused it. I misused it, and there was like a drawing back of gifting because there was no character that lined up with the gifting. And he saved me from hurting people and destroying everything that he had planned for me. It was what a good parent would do, right? It says, it says in the Word of God that a blessing of, uh, a blessing of the Lord makes us rich and adds no sorrow with it. So my question would be that if there's a blessing that comes to me and there's sorrow that comes with it, you know, if it's, well, I just, I've declared God give me a new car and now I've got this new car, but every month we're short on, we're short on money to pay rent and we're short on food. And, and now I've got this, you know, I've got this brand new car. It's a blessing of the Lord, but I can't actually even pay for it because I wanted to declare something and live beyond my means. And that was irresponsible. 
Anybody ever been in that situation? And so that's not a ble- the, the new car is not a blessing. It's no longer a blessing from the Lord because there's sorrow that comes with it. And the blessing that comes from the Lord has no sorrow. It's not going to be painful. So anything that I thought was a blessing and became painful wasn't a blessing. It wasn't a blessing for now at least. And so God is preparing us to be able to actually steward people's lives and disciple them and train and equip them through this concept of the tithe and giving. The tithe is the 10%. Tithe means 10%. I don't actually get to decide what I tithe unless it is more than 10% because the tithe means 10%. And so this is not... This is not a control thing from God. This is not a con- if it's been used in that way, I already apologize. I know I don't need to do it again. But that was never what it was meant to be. It's, it's God's using natural means to bring about spiritual principles that will help us to be able to steward the earth. Look, look at this. I mean, we're worried about stewarding the, the paycheck and not willing to give the, the tithe, the 10%, that in Malachi it says, bring the tithe into the storehouse. The storehouse is where you and I get fed. I also don't get to decide where the tithe goes. Read it in, in Malachi 3. I know in, in Malachi 3 you think it starts in verse 8, and you think that, I know it may have been even taught to you, that if I don't tithe, then there'll be a curse that comes on me. Galatians 3.13 says that Jesus actually became a curse for us. And so I don't believe that there's a curse that comes on me when I don't tithe. I do believe this, though, that I robbed Jesus from his inheritance because my life, if it doesn't look like generosity, it doesn't look like the Father. And you and I were created in his image to look like him. And so this principle was installed because <laughs> you've ever heard wherever a person's heart is, uh, wherever, their, wherever their heart is, so will it be their wallet or their wallet, you know, Open wallet means open heart. They're saying that if you're generous, it shows that you are a generous person. That principle can apply at times. Not always, because at times it can be easier to give your money than your time. And there are lots of, t- there are lots of instances where time is more important than you giving your money. This principle actually helps us to be able to tithe our lives. Look at this. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in true riches, if you have not been, uh, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mo- in, in money, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? It's, it's that concept that when I have an apartment and I begin to take care of it, then I'm ready for a house, right? When I'm, I'm, I'm renting something, and then it prepares me for buying it because I take care of it well. I, I live by the principle that we should take care of the things that God blesses us with. We should take care of them well. I think that personally believe, it's my personal belief, and so you, you don't have to take it if you don't want, but if I don't take care of the, the things that God blesses me with, to me, um, because I know what it's like to, to live out of a box this big, I know what it's like to, to not have anything but one, one change of clothes. 
I, I know what it's like to, to live off ramen noodles. I, I know what it's like not to, have, not to have anything. I know what it's like to go to bed hungry at night. I, I know, and a lot of that was self-inflicted. It wasn't my, my not, don't think for a second that I'm talking about my upbringing at home. I'm talking about later in life when I was an adult and the choices that I made. So I know what these things feel like, and a lot of those things help me to appreciate the things that God has given me. Because I know if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't even have breath in my body. So I contribute everything that I have, he's made possible, no matter what it was. Because some people think, well, if I bought it, then it was mine. God didn't bless me with it. I've heard people say that. And that's just not true. It may be your truth, but that doesn't make it the highest form of truth that there is. And so God made it possible for me to actually be, be upright and mobile. I, I, am, I have a job because God made it possible. And so I contribute everything that I have to him. And so I, I take, take good care of it. And I believe that helps to show that I appreciate the blessing of the Lord. But even more importantly, I believe that it set me up to be able to steward well the lives that I get to be a part of and help disciple. Because if I'll take care of the stuff, which in the grand scheme of things means nothing. The car, the house, it's all, those are just, it's just stuff, right? And I'll say this because I haven't said it yet, is that God doesn't mind you having stuff. He minds stuff having you, right? He doesn't mind me having stuff. He minds stuff having me. And I've been in a place where stuff has, has had control over my life. I know what that feels like. I know what it feels like to, to want more and want more and never be satisfied. It's just another form of lust. You may not be looking at pornography or, or, or going after the, the opposite sex or even the same sex in, in your mind, but it's the desire for more stuff. And it's never satisfied until I realize that this all isn't about stuff. It's about getting to live out of a transformed life and to demonstrate the heart of the Father in every single way. And so this particular scripture, look at verse 13 in Luke 16. It says, No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one. Let me read that again because I want to add this part in that's really important of the translation. Verse 13, No servant can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal, means hold to the one, and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. You cannot serve God and mammon, is what it says in, in the New King James Version. But in other translations, if you look that word up, you'll see that it means money. And so, I will either despise the hold that money could have on me, or the spirit that is behind that, because there's a spirit of mammon, the spirit of money, it's called greed, and it never can be desired. I just want more and more stuff, and I gain my identity from the stuff that I actually have. And so there's a spirit attached to that thing that it, it, there can be freedom that comes uh, in a moment, but it will, you can know, I'm familiar, you can, anybody can know when you're being controlled by that spirit is because when when the opportunity to give or a subject like this is brought up uh, or somebody wants something from me or they even ask for something from me 
is that I will, I will despise the opportunity to even give. I will hold them at arm's length because I don't want them to get my stuff. Because my stuff becomes more important to me than that person. And I'm not willing to show them the goodness of God through, through my stuff, though it has no eternal value. And so I'll, I'll cling to my stuff and despise the other, or it will be the other way around, is that I will despise the hold that money can have on me and the spirit that's attached to that thing and see if I'll look around the, this, even this nation. I know there's other nations that are like it too. And, and we can recognize the, the spirit that is behind the industry that pushes stuff, that says get more stuff, that says climb the corporate ladder by any means necessary, step on people, use people, do whatever it is to get to the top so that you can have a bigger salary, better house, all that. And all of that can actually be gained through holy, through being a son, being a daughter, and, and through the ways that God created us to operate in that way. Or it can be gained through this spirit that says, I don't care about people more than I care about my position. I, I don't care about people more than I care about how big my salary is. And you can tell somebody who cares about their stuff more than they care about people because within a 10-minute conversation, that, that subject will come up. Somehow they'll get it in there because whatever we love is what we, we'll make sure we talk about. And that love of money is the root of all evil. It is, it is, it's hard because the first place, I started to get emotional because the first place my, my mind went through was the buying and selling of, of people of the prostitution, of the sex slavery, of human trafficking, is that as it, it comes, the, the means that makes it happen is money, and it's because they don't care about people. It's the same spirit. It's the same spirit that does that. I know there's other spirits that are involved in that perversion, but it's the same spirit, that spirit of greed, that says, I don't care about human life. What I desire, what I want is more, it's more important. God says in Romans 1 that he, he began, they began to serve the, the creature more than they, they did the creator. And he gave them over to a debased mind, which caused them to live in unholy ways. It's happening right now in the, in the earth today. It's the same thing happening. That wasn't just for a long time ago. It's happening right now. They would rather serve the, the created thing. They'd rather serve the money than, the, than they would serve the creator. They would, re, they would rather actually care about stuff more than they would care about a human life that's in need. And, and so it's, which master will I serve? I actually get a choice in this, is the, is the powerful and encouraging thing to me, is that I can choose, I can choose to do this. And it starts in this, it starts in this place of actually giving. Sometimes we believe, and, and I'll say this, so the, the tithe was, was ratified by the law in Leviticus. Let me, let me give you a scripture. I told you I'd give you some. Leviticus 27, 30 through 34. The, the tithe was ratified by the law and then it was justified or actually implemented in uh, Jesus' time in, in Luke eleven forty two. 42. And, and this, is, this is profound to me. Because a lot of us think that the tithe is that the church just wants more the church just wants more of my money right the church just wants more of my money and i believe i'm not going to get on a long soapbox here but there are things that we can spend money on in the church that don't matter at all 
You know, I know people have spent $10,000 on one light bulb in their stage. So that they can have the, you know, again, I don't, I don't think that there's anything wrong with that at some level. But when we've made it all about what we look like and we haven't made it about people, because I'm worried about appealing to them, I've wasted what God has actually entrusted me with. And so the tithe is a principle just like so many others that God is setting us up to walk in the more of Him, setting us up to see more spiritual riches. This is the tithe, and I'm going to read this verse out of Luke 11:42 here in just a second. It's Jesus talking uh, to the Pharisees. But the tithe is the, this is elementary school of Christianity. This is like, I, I don't know why it's not in Hebrews 6 when, when whoever the author was of Hebrews uh, was talking about, these are the elementary things. These are laying on of hands. We're going to move on from laying on of hands and different baptisms, you know, baptism of the Holy Spirit and baptism of water and, and repentance from dead works. He's like, we're going to move on past that if it's okay, because these are the elementary things. This is grade school. And it's time that we grow up and mature. And, and this is one of those things. The tithe is an elementary principle of the gospel. And I personally believe, and I, I learned this from, um, from Bill Johnson some years ago, is that the, the door, there's, there's great revival that's been happening at Bethel for 20 years. Our lives have been touched deeply by however you feel about them is not my concern. I, I realize the fruit of our lives because of the touch on our lives and the encounters that we've had and the biblical principles that we've had through them that we've learned. And, and I've heard him talk about this subject more passionately and more authoritatively than any subject that there is. And this is what I learned is that, that this is the door that we walk through to more. There's been people that have asked him, how did you get here? And he said, this is, this is the door you walk through. It starts with the tithe. It starts with money. It starts with me being able to be trusted with the unrighteous mammon of the world. And then God trusts me with true spiritual riches. Because when I think, this is what it's really about in Luke eleven forty two. Jesus says it better than I can. What sorrow awaits you, Pharisees, for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens. But you ignore the justice, but you ignore justice and the love of God. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. He says something very similar if you're taking notes in Matthew 23, 23. Again, he says, yes, tithe. What the religious people had done is that they had taken the tithe and made it more important than people. They are no different than people in this day and time or things that I've done in my personal life is that I have, I have valued stuff. I have valued the principle more than I did what God was trying to teach me through the principle. And any principle can become religious. Prayer can become religious. Worship can become religious. We can make, we were talking about today, they were singing... Come and, and shake off all of my religion. Is that, you know, anything in the kingdom can become religious if I allow it to. And the Pharisees had taken this principle of tithing and they had made it religious because they had left the topic of justice and love. They had left the topic of what was the heart of the Father behind it. And that's how a bunch of the Levitical laws come in. 
is that they valued obey, obeying the law more than they have valued people. And we see that in the New Testament when they, are, they want to kill Jesus because he healed a man on the Sabbath. They valued the Sabbath more than they valued that person getting healed. When they should have been flabbergasted, uh, excited, um, overjoyed because, this, by, because the people that got healed on the Sabbath, but they didn't even care about that. All they cared about was the law. And you can tell what had their heart, and it wasn't God. And so this principle can be turned into that. But Jesus said, yes, you should tithe, but do not neglect the fact that for us, they didn't have this, but 1 Corinthians 13 is my life. That is my life. That should be our life chapter. Of, of all chapters in the Bible, 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, shows me what the Father looks like. And so the apostles actually demonstrate what I believe is the, the next level um, in Acts 2, verse 42 through 47, then in Acts 4, 23 through 37. The first one in Acts 2 is the baptism of the Holy Spirit comes, and I'm going to talk faster maybe because we've got limited time left. But the Holy Spirit baptism comes in Acts 2, and then in Acts 4, uh, another infilling comes to them. In both instances, if you look, the result of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is radical generosity. Radical generosity that they went beyond the tithe, and I am not advocating for living communally, uh, but I am saying that their response to the Holy Spirit baptism says something very loud and very clear to me, is that when I get baptized in the Holy Spirit, the first evidence that I ought to be looking for shouldn't be tongues, but actually should be the radical generosity of me willing to give whatever. First thing is my life, and then if I'm willing to give my life, my stuff won't be a problem to give. This is a principle that taught me when I applied to my life through my spiritual parents, uh, that it taught me that I was created to be a giver, and the truth of it transformed my mind that became a natural response to give. Have I battled the fear of lack over time? Absolutely. Have I battled when finances look low in the bank account of my own personal or the ministries? Yeah. But I've learned this incredible response that other people have taught me. I actually learned this through, through Bill Johnson also. Is that when the finances get low and we don't know where, our, where something's going to come from, uh, where the next paycheck's going to come from, or what that's going to look like. Lindsay and I's response is to give. Us as a ministry, as a response, is to give. If it looks like we can't make payroll, or we don't know if funds are going to come in because of the pandemic, you know what we started doing? We started finding people to give money to, ministries to give money to, lives to sow into, because this, this principle, because when I do that, I will not bow down to the fear of lack. But I actually, bring, I actually step into a greater level of freedom and, even more importantly, a greater level of stewardship of the things that God has entrusted us with so that we can see our cities transformed. And this is, this is what I'll end with. I've got so many notes that I would, I would love to, to share with you, but we don't have the time. And I hope that this has been clear clear for you. And if you have questions, please don't hesitate to ask. Send them to support at revivetheworld.us. 
support at revivetheworld.us. If you've got questions on the topic, I totally understand, and please send them. I'll do my best to get to them as quickly as possible. But I want to end with this because I believe that this is important. I covered what the tithe is, right? Starts at 10%. Should we give more? I believe so. Operate out of your level of faith. I'm not going to tell you how much to give, but I will tell you that 10% is the starting point. Tithe goes to the storehouse. Tithe goes to where you're being fed regularly. If you don't have a home church, I'd ask why. Pray, ask God, where should I be? Submit to a local pastor or pastors that will, um, that will love you and, 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 um, and disciple you um, and, in, a, in, a, in the in what you're supposed to walk in, what we're all supposed to walk in, and um, will use their authority over you uh, through relationship and, and not, to, not to harm you or control you because that's the way it's supposed to be. And so you tithe to the storehouse. Anything that is above that, anything that is offering, I give to wherever I want. I give to missions. Hopefully I give to missions. I give to uh, sponsoring children that need it through a place that you know they're actually getting the money um, and getting the stuff that are supposed to sponsor missionaries or uh, ministries or homeless ministries or people that you know is parachurch ministry, which is outside the, parachurch means outside the local church. Because when the, the, the tithe is brought into the storehouse, it gives us the, the finances, the resources to be able to train and equip not just people. We were created to disciple nations. It gives us the resources to use these buildings as uh, the tools that they were meant to be used for. smiling because I almost jumped on this other soapbox, but I kicked, you didn't see it. I kicked it away. Um, <laughs> and so that, that is the tithe. I hope that's clear. Tithe offering different. Tithe is a 10%. I don't decide where it goes. The word of God tells me, and I'm obedient to the word of God because it's what I base my whole life off of. It's really rather simple, but it's become an overcomplicated topic. <laughs> I'm telling you that when I was locked up, I was giving 10% of the money that was sent to me. 10% of my, I made 75 cents a day in state pay. Um, you know, 25 bucks a month or 30 bucks a month. I would give 10% to a, I didn't have a local church, but um, we were operating a ministry and, and, I, I, and I, don't, I guess you'd call it that. I don't even know what we were doing really, but. Uh, we were doing our best with what we knew how. I know that, and and we would I'd send ten percent to to uh, to a ministry that's in Ellettsville because they had sowed into my life and believed in me and still do, and um, and so I, I've been doing this principle because the the thought is the same. Most of the time, it's it's this conversation that somebody says I can't afford to tithe, and people that tithe say I can't afford not to. Because you realize that God always provides, even when it looks scary. And so the thought is, is that I'll tithe when I can afford it. It's kind of like the concept of, I'll have a baby when we're ready. <laughs> and then, as ready as you are, when you have the baby, you realize that you know nothing. You were not ready. 
all the books you read, all the videos, all the classes, all that, and you're like, it all went out the window. It's like, <laughs> you know, it's like God will do to us at times. Well, you're like, you learn something in the kingdom, and you're like, this is amazing. I'm top of the mountain. And then you're like, how did I get all, all in the valley in 24 hours? I don't know. I thought this principle changed my life forever, and now I feel like I know nothing again. And it's the concept of the, the more I know, the, the, the more I, I feel like I know, the less I actually do know in the kingdom because God is, God's eternal. And I am a finite being with a t- tiny little life. And I think I'm going to figure this, this God out that existed before anything existed. I mean, come on. Um, so I've been keeping that in the front of my mind here recently. And so we are live by this this principle. I know a friend of mine, Jonathan Overmeyer, who made this challenge when he was preaching one time. I think he should have asked his wife before he did it. But um, he, he said, if you tithe for the next 90 days, I'll, I'm not making this challenge, by the way, because I don't feel led by the Lord. I, not that I have a problem doing it, but I don't do things out of principle. Um, I want to do things out of, you know, just the Holy Spirit in the moment or, or pre-planned by Him and not me. But he said, if you tithe for the, tithe for the next 90 days and, and God doesn't bless you, uh, I'll give your money back. And uh, Jonathan is a man, if you don't know him, he's not watching, so I'm, I'm bragging on him just because when he got saved, he prayed and he asked God, he said, I just want a job so that I can tithe. For no other reason, I just want a job to tithe. That's it. And he is, him and Courtney are some of the most radical givers that I know. And he, he gets this principle. He gets this principle. And um, there was one person that took the 90-day challenge who was scared to death to give the whole 10%. They were scared. They were giving, but they weren't giving 10% because they had fifty dollars or $60,000 worth of student debt loan. And they started giving the 10%. And within three weeks, they got a call and every bit of their debt was written off. I, I could tell you stories. I could tell you stories for hours, hours of, of living by this principle just in Lindsay and I's life. Besides the people that are, the few people that are in this room, our testimonies could take up a day's worth of time for you because of living out of this principle. And so that is the principle of, of tithing. I release, it's so, Galatians 6, sowing and reaping. What I sow, I get back. It's a principle. It works for everything. If I sow chaos, if I sow gossip and slander and, and lie and, and wonder why I get it back, I shouldn't be shocked because whatever I sow, I get back. It's a, it's a principle. It works for everybody, just like tithing. Tithing works for everybody. You don't have to be a Christian to use this. Millionaires, billionaires have figured this out, that if I give away 10% of my stuff, for somehow... I still get blessed, right? The Jewish people still use this principle that are still looking for the Messiah, that don't know Jesus. I realize they're still God's chosen people, but technically none of them are saved. I believe there's more millionaires per capita in, in, in Israel than there is anywhere else in the world. They use the principle. They get it. Anybody can use it, just like principles in marriage. If, even if you're not saved, you can still use them, and they'll work for you. And so this principle can release an increased blessing of God and entrust to us more spiritual riches. But I want to, in this last few minutes, I want to talk to you about something and, and just close with this, is this something that I believe is greater than blessing. I love the song blessing. I, I love that God bless you and show you favor and all that stuff. The only problem I have is that when we begin to talk about blessing, 
is that oftentimes my mind, I don't know if your mind's ever done this, is that when I think about blessing, I think about what God gives me. When I think about favor, I think about the parking spot or being in front of the line or, or getting upgraded to the next medallion status so I can sit in first class and not be jammed between two people in the center row of a plane. You know, that's what I have my mind so many times like, oh, I'm first in line. God's favor. Got a 30% off this week. Must be God's favor. I think it was good marketing. I, I don't think it was God's favor, but because <clears throat> they got you in the store <laughs> to spend more money than what you would have or got you in the store to whatever. So <laughs> come on. Uh, hopefully you see that. I like 30% off. Don't don't get me wrong. I like 40 better and then 50. But it's the favor of God, the blessing of God in my life is not about me. The favor of God and the blessing of God on my life is to be able to demonstrate it to other people. It's never first about me. It's not. How can, it, how can I say that now I am selfless? I am dead to self. I no longer am alive. I am crucified with Christ. But my first thought when I think about blessing or favor is that I think about myself just shows that I'm not completely dead yet. By dead, I don't mean physically dead. I mean the old person that you and I were never created to be. Shows that selfishness still lives in me. All right? I'm familiar with it because my mind can go there sometimes. And so I, I'm not trying to talk at you. I'm talking with you. And so there, there is a principle that I see in the Bible that goes beyond blessing and favor, and it's called inheritance. I don't have time to do it justice, but I do have time to give you a scripture that hopefully will tie this thing up in some kind of, maybe if it's not a neat bow, just some form of a bow. I don't know, just maybe it'll look like your kid's shoelaces. I'm not sure. But Psalms 2.4. Psalms 2.4. Let me say this before we go into this, is that the blessing of God, as it says in Matthew 5.45, is that it rains on the just and the unjust. Right? I just talked about how anybody can use the principle of tithing so everybody can get blessed and everybody can be shown favor. You don't have to be a Christian. God blesses all people. Sun rises on everybody, sets on everybody. It's just, it's, it is who He is. He is showing people all the time that He, he loves them. I, I know that people can be... There's another. I know there's a lot more to that, but I just want you to realize... The blessing of God is not about me. So Psalms 2.4 says this. Ask and I will give you the nation as an inheritance. <laughs> Ask and I will give you the nations as your inheritance. And so I'd say this in closing. The tithe is a principle that when we get a hold of it, it sets us up to actually be able to inherit the earth, the way that Jesus paid for us to, the way that Jesus demonstrated his authority on the planet and showed that we were created to live in dominion over the earth so that it can all be transformed by his divine design that he wants to work through his sons and daughters to do. And this is one of those principles that sets us up it sets us up to, because if I, I, can't, if I can't give my money, if I can't give 10% of what I have, I'm just barely over tax in the state of Indiana, right? 7% tax. If I can't give that, 
how can I expect him to trust me with true spiritual riches? I don't know about you, but I made a lot of my life about stuff. I made a lot of my life about me. <clears throat> I lived in selfishness, which equals sin, sinfulness. And it was all about me. And I didn't care who I hurt. <clears throat> I didn't care who was in my way. And we lived by this motto of by any means necessary. It's a scary motto to live by. Because when you mean it, you mean that you really don't care about people. And then when I came into the kingdom, God is just working stuff out, out of me. But nothing has brought me more freedom than this principle of the tithe. Because it set me up. It's setting us up to be able to steward well true spiritual riches. Because I don't know about you, but I want to see nations break out in awakening. I don't want to just see churches break out in revival. I don't want to just have church, good church meetings. I'm grateful for good church meetings. Right? It should be a given when we get together. I'm grateful when we have encounters. But what I really want, what most of you, maybe all of you really want, is our cities to be transformed. You want to see the glory of God come into the earth in such a way that it transforms not just neighborhoods, but regions and begins to transform states and then nations and the whole earth, the way that it says in Isaiah, is literally full of his tangible glory. We're walking in everything that Jesus paid for. And so I've got a challenge for you in this. Not the challenge that I was going to give you. Try God in this. Don't look what it does for you financially. That'd be my advice. Don't look for what it does for you financially. Look what it does to your heart. Look what it does to your mind. Look what it does in your life. Look for spiritual riches. Look for more souls saved, a greater level of the prophetic and, and, and miracles to happen. Because there have been lots of times when I prayed for breakthrough when God was waiting for me to apply principles that he'd already put in place. And here I am spending hours in prayer, begging him for more of, of what, he's, what he's showing me that he can't actually trust me with because I haven't applied the biblical principle of the tithe. Because I haven't given where he's given me opportunity to and even asked me to at times or even told me to at other times. And so test him in this. Try him if you haven't already. <clears throat> See what it does. He wants to give us so much more than money. He wants to give us nations. I don't know about you, but that's my prayer. Often now, God asks for the nations as an inheritance. <laughs> but with the nations as an inheritance, right? When I ask for it like that, it's not like, yeah, it's coming to Tony. No. I'm praying it for the church, for the body, for the bride. And so, Father, I thank you right now that you've given us a principle to live by, that you've given us opportunity today to make a choice in what it is to test you and try you in this, to actually live by a principle that's not just going to change our, our checking account or our savings account, but a, living by a principle that's going to change uh, our spiritual account, that's going to help us to be able to be trusted with more of, of what you really want to give us, and that's true spiritual riches. And so, Father, we want this. We want to see the nations. We want your hearts. 
your will fulfilled in the nations. We want to see this nation change, the nations of the world. And we know you want it way more than we want it. And so thank you for every person watching that's already applying this principle. And if that's the case for, for some of us that are already doing this, that we would up the risk. That we would try you with, that we would, we would do something that was uncomfortable in this area. We would step out and take a new risk when it comes to this. Yeah. I thank you, Father, that the budget doesn't have to be able to hold to be able to line up for the tithe to come out. <laughs> I wish I could show you guys that you know, we're tithing early on to what we were bringing in. My gosh, thank you, Jesus. He showed up. Every year for three years in a row, the first three years I pastored, I made less money on paper. Every year we did our taxes, I made less money. And we had more money. Just God. Through that, he showed me it's not about that. So I thank you, Father, for shifting our mindsets and, and that the tithe would no longer become about money, but it would actually become about real revival being released inside the hearts of your sons and daughters so that we would be the flaming torch in your hands so that we'd be laid down lovers so that we'd care about people more than we care about stuff so that we would we would lay our lives down the way you've shown us to through Jesus that we'd be that living sacrifice that we'd be like the pillar of fire the, the cloud of glory that led the children of Israel in the desert, that we would look like you in radical generosity in every area of our lives, not just money, but that we would give our time at any moment, that we would give a listening ear, or we'd give a hug, or we'd give a word, or we'd give whatever is necessary in any situation. Show the world what you look like as a radically generous father that you are the most generous Father that we could ever fathom, that you are beyond our little bitty thinking. So I thank you, Father, that as we continue to apply this principle, we are going to become more like you in every area of our lives. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for this opportunity to look more like you. Thank you. Just feel like I'm supposed to tell you this, tell myself this, is that this principle can get you what fasting can't when it's given in the when it's given out of the right heart. This principle can get you what prayer can't. It's action. It's the thing out of James that says, I'll show you my faith through my actions. So I thank you, Father, for the action of faith that's going to transform us more than anything that we've ever done. I'm not saying don't fast. I'm not saying don't spend hours or an hour or however long you spend in prayer. I'm not saying don't do that. I'm saying there's action that can result in greater things than some of the spiritual principles we've been practicing. But when those are coupled together, it brings increase to what we can actually steward in the spiritual realm. So thank you, Father, that you're increasing our capacity 
to carry more of your heart, increasing our capacity to release more of your love and to ultimately be able to steward well all the spiritual riches that you are giving us, all the authority that you want to give us, that you want your children to walk in. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. We've got so much more, so much more work to do. Jesus said over 2,000 years ago for them to pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out more workers because the, the fields were white for harvest. That scripture right there shows me that I can't ever go into any area and say that area is hard for the gospel or is not receptive to the gospel. The fields were white for harvest. They have been for over 2,000 years. If they were that ready then, they're even more ready now. He wants to give us nations. What do we want to do? If I just want to live a good life and have nice things, he's going to love me just the same. You know what? I can live a good life and have nice things. Lay down my life in the process. And he shows him, I'm ready. I'm ready to be entrusted with more spiritual riches. And I don't know about you, but that's what I want. That's what I want for us. That's why I taught this today. It's about spiritual riches, not about money. I hope you hear that. I hope you hear my heart in this. I'm not trying to get your offering. I'm not even trying to get your tithe. I'm just sharing a principle with you that will help us all look more like the Father. That's what this is about. We're praying for revival. We're praying for awakening, praying for reformation. This is the door we go through. Whether we like it or not, this is it. We've learned that here. I'm grateful for the people that have taught it to us. I'm grateful for the people that are in our leadership that model it to us. Some of the most radical givers are on our team I, I've ever met. They demonstrate what that looks like to Lindsay and I as our spiritual parents have and so thanks for joining us today I hope that you're I hope that you're okay at the end of this I know a lot of you that it revived the world you already do this I believe that God's preparing us for more though and everything that he's teaching us in this season so we bless you guys we want you to send we want you to send your prayer requests. I know we still don't have a prayer team. We want you to send your prayer requests. Um, just for right now, you can go ahead and send them to support at revivetheworld.us. We have a phone number that you can call or text to. 317-707-6448. It's a, it's a, you'll get a machine, but you can, like I said, you can text it or you can call it. Just leave a message if you got prayer requests. That way, if, whether you're watching this live with us or you watch it in the middle of the week, you have a way to get prayer. We want to pray for you. We want to partner with you. I want you to know that we, we care what you're going through. We're for you. We're with you. Even if it's virtually right now. So we hope you guys enjoy the rest of your Sunday. If you need healing, if you need anything in your body right now, we just say, Jesus, do it.
You want to do it more than we want you to. So we just ask that you come right now. Bring everything that people need. You need emotional healing. You need physical healing. Healers in the room. Healers in the room. So thanks, Jesus, for healing right now in any way that people need it. In Jesus' name. Bless you guys. Thanks again for being faithful in this, this wild adventure that we're on during this time. We hope that we'll see you again on, on Wednesday. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks for listening to Revive the World Ministries podcast. Join us each week for another message and listen to past messages by visiting us online at revivetheworld.us.